Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the first morning service of Sunday the 16th of February 2014. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. What I'm going to speak to you this morning about, that's only happened one time. You know, a lot of people say, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, quite honestly, that's only happened once. There's only one good. The scripture says in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's none, there's none that doeth good and sinneth not. There's not a just man on the earth uh, that doeth good and sinneth not. We're, we're, listen, we're all, um, and I do not want us to have poor posture. I understand humility is to, under, to really recognize who we are. However, you can't live in that state You've got to move on and realize who you are in Jesus Christ. But there has to be a level of humility uh, when it comes to your walk. Okay? Uh, You know, and and a lot of what I'm going to say this morning has to do with the fact of why I was not here last year. There's nobody that wanted to be here more than me. But uh, sometimes you have to make some decisions based upon God's will and not your own. And I believe through prayer and a lot of other circumstances, Brother Steve, that I was not supposed to be here in last year. It was a difficult decision. Any preacher that will turn down an opportunity to speak, (laughs) it's very difficult. And so uh, I want to be a help to you today. And I want to give you some, uh, you know, when I said that why do bad things happen to good people, listen, Jesus Christ uh, was sinless, the perfect sinless Lamb of God, and there were some vicious, cruel acts done to him. Not only Calvary, but what took place prior to it. Uh, he was hated, rejected of his own people. Uh, you don't get much more crueler than that to be rejected of your own people. Those that he came unto his own and his own received him not. So I want to be, uh, be, uh, be quick this morning and concise. And I don't want to be boring. So I hope and pray you listen on purpose, okay? Look at it. Look at it. Uh, is, um, Excuse me, First uh, Kings chapter nineteen, First Kings nineteen, and I'll begin my reading in verse number one. Now a lot of us know the background of this story. This is a uh, this is an amazing uh, portion of scripture because of uh, what's get, what we're getting ready to read prior to what had been al- had already happened. Here was a prophet of God who had just wrought a great victory on Mount Carmel. God had worked through his life and used him to see 850 prophets of Baal and prophets of the grove defeated on Mount Carmel. But yet here you are 24 hours later, all right, just 24 hours removed from seeing a great victory like that, and now he is running for his life, okay? Look at 1 Kings 19, look at verse number 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them, by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw or he heard that, he arose and went for his life. He didn't listen. He didn't stand up boldly like he had done on Mount Carmel. I mean, here was a bunch of uh, guys who had uh, blasphemed the name of his God, and he said, I'm going to give you first chance to go, then I'm going to go. And he prayed 63 words, and fire fell from heaven. And, uh, and here he is now, 24 hours later, one day later, he's getting a threat from one woman, and he's running. 
Okay? What happened? Well, I'm going to show you what happened. It says, He came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left uh, his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he had requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, there in, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake of bacon, uh, a, cake, a cake bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. I see a couple things here. Number one, we see Elijah's fleeing. Uh, listen, there's no reason for us to cower under the pressure of the trials and the difficulties that we go through in this life. You know, I've heard somebody say, well, you know what? How, do, how, can, we ex how can we expect to understand or even explain or know God through all of these difficult times? You know what? I'm going to tell you something, folks. Faith doesn't make it. Listen, faith does not make it easier to go through life. Faith, faith makes it possible to go through life. This life is not easy. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. So I don't know what you're going through today, but I'm here to speak to you on the fact that God is good all the time. Okay? It doesn't matter what happens. All right? You say, well, preacher, what about all this evil? You know, a lot of people, when they get through a difficult time... And, and, and they begin to question their knowledge and their belief in God. You know what? Can I ask you a question? Why, what else do we have <laughs> except Him? I mean, you 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 got to think about that. You know, brother, I, I just heard about your situation in 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 the uh, in, in the bullring. You know, and sometimes you go, well, Lord, why'd you let that happen to me? You know, why why did that have to happen to me? Um, I lost a son three years ago. The reason I wasn't here last year is uh, it looked like I was going to have to come by myself. I did not want to come by myself. I wanted to bring my wife. Um, the year prior to that, Steve, of course, my daughter came with her future husband at that time. They're now married. It was going to be difficult, and I, 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 can, only, I can only just bear my heart to you. It, it, I, I did not want to come alone. Um, I, it, it hurt enough. And, you know, I had somebody ask me when my son died. They said, have you noticed that it gets any easier? I won't be honest with you, folks. They say time heals everything. I'm here to tell you that that ain't the truth. Time doesn't heal. Time is not a healer. And I'm going to say something. I want all you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Cherry. Uh Time is not a healer. Time, are you listening to me? Say amen. Okay. Time is not a healer. Time is a revealer. See, time's not the thing that heals you. Time is a revealer to let you know that God is going to heal you. Okay? What does the Bible say? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not... Okay, so the Lord, the self-existing one, the all-knowing one, the omnipotent, omniscient, uh, listen, omnipresent Father that we have, the Lord his my, is my personal feeder and leader. 
He's my shepherd. I shall not have lack for anything that I need. I don't know, I don't know what you're going through today, but I'm here to tell you that you can't run from your problems. You've got to confront them. Okay? You've got to confront your issues. You can't run from them. You're not going to, listen, you can't cower down underneath the pressure of the issues in your life. Time is not going to heal you. God's going to heal you. He's going to use the time to reveal when he's going to do that. Okay? So, you've got Elijah now. He's, he's fled. He's, he's fleeing. Okay? And, and then we look down here in verse number 7. It says, the angel of the Lord came a, again the second time. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that we have a God who does not give up on us. We serve a God of second and third and tenth and hundredth and three thousand chances. And you're looking at an example this morning. Okay? Um, let's, not, let's not forget. Let's not forget that the God who made us knows more than us. I don't go to the doctor and expect to sit there and counsel him on what's wrong with me. No, I have to listen to the doctor tell me and diagnose my issue and tell me what the solution is. I'm not going to go, you know what, Doc, I know more than you do. God knows what he's doing. Amen? God knows what he's doing. And so you've got, you've got the prophet here after he's grown a great victory on Mount Carmel. Now he's fleeing uh, from one individual who has literally threatened his life. And... I think, you know what, sometimes we get, Panos, we, we get too far removed from the victories of the past. I know we can't live there, but we got to remember what God did. When you can remember what God did in the past, you know what? It helps you in the present, and it can help you go on in the future. But young people, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not blowing smoke at you. Gareth, you're getting ready to embark on a ministry, all right? You know what I'm telling you, man? The ministry can be hazardous to your health if you're not careful. It can make you, listen, if you're not careful, you'll, you'll hear people talk about you, hate your guts. It'll make you bitter if you're not careful. You've got to be very, very careful that you don't let the ministry be hazardous to your health. Okay? Remember who you serve. Remember that he is more than enough. He's always, listen, he's always our portion. He's the cleft that we run to. He's the rock that we can put our feet on. That's what David said. David said, I waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. How many of us, you know, you cried out in those times of difficulty in the valley of your life and you cried out to God and sometimes we wonder where you're at. You know, here's three of the questions that most people ask. God, where are you? God, are you there? God, are you fair? And God, do you care? That's the three things that most Christians ask themselves. You know, this morning, I don't know where you're at in your life, but you know what? You can't run from your problems. Don't flee like Elijah did. Don't get the Elijah syndrome. Okay, not only was he a, had a problem with fleeing, but I want you to look down here. We see the Lord's faithfulness. The, the, the angel of the Lord came to Elijah second time. He'd come to him one time, but he had to come a second time. How many times the Lord had to remind you of something? <laughs> All right, many of us, if we're not careful, we'll get into this, this, this complex to where we think that we can counsel God. You know, we, we say, you know what, Lord, I, I can really help you out here if you'll let me. Be very careful. All right? Be very careful. Um, you, see, you see not only Elijah's fleeing, but you see the Lord's faithfulness. Look at verse number 8. It says, He arose and he did eat and drink 
And went in the, the strength of uh, that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mountain of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, he said, What doest thou, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain the prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And God said to him, Go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great strong wind, rent, his, rent the mountains, and break into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. I love these people that say, you know what? I got a word from the Lord. You know, and, and it's all this resounding, uh, almost confusion. It's all this loud noise and everything. I'm going to tell you right now. Many times, the greatest, the greatest blessings that I've ever had is in the wee hours of the morning when God speaks in a still small voice. He don't shout audibly from heaven. He speaks to me in that still small voice and whispers to me and says, I love you. I'll protect you. I'm going to be here for you. And I'll be honest with you. When we think about all the bad stuff that happens, we go, well, how can God really exist if all this evil is going on? Well, if you believe there's an evil, then you'd have to believe there's what? Good. So if there is evil and there is good, then what is the moral law or the moral code that we use to measure or be the barometer between good and evil? You know? Well, ask Job. The, the Bible says that Job was a man that what? Was perfect, upright, a man that feared God and eschewed evil. He kept his nose clean. He had a good character, had integrity. Listen, he was a man that was perfect. He was completely mature in his walk with God. But you know what? Just because you live a good life and you love Jesus Christ with all your heart does not mean that your life is going to be exempt from dif difficult uh, points in your life on a daily basis. All right? I think many times the reason why we have weak, and I don't know about... I don't, know where you, I don't know where you live. I don't live in England. I live in America, okay? So I can only speak of my nation. But I'm going to tell you right now, we have in our nation right now as we speak an epidemic of casual Christianity. Listen, where it's apathy, it's, it is absolutely weak and watered down because you know what? We don't, we don't know how to endure the trials of this life. We succumb to temptation we give in. We don't know. Listen, I am convinced that suffering is relational and not propositional. You say, you know what? Those who walk with God, those who know God, and I hope you do, but if you really know God and you know the cross and you know what he endured on Calvary, you can get through some difficult times in your life in the dark hours in relation or in spite of the fact of what you're going through and, and listen, many people try to tackle their own problems philosophically. You're never going to figure God out. As C.S. Lewis said one time, he's a slippery fellow. I mean, you can sit around all day long and you can try to figure out what God's doing, but the Bible says that his ways are higher, higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. 
So what we've got to do is we've got to say, okay, Lord, what are you doing? And I know that maybe time won't heal me, but time's going to reveal to me what you're doing for me. Okay? So here Elijah has had this great victory, Gareth, and, and he's, he's seen God's power. I mean, you know what? you got power on your life, Tibby, when you pray 63 words and fire from heaven falls. I don't know anybody. I, when's the last time you prayed and fire fell from heaven? You might have felt like conviction fell from heaven right on you, but fire fell from heaven and licked up all the water in the, tro in, in the trench, licked up all the water on the altar. And I mean, and listen, those people said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The same ones that were cursing him are now saying, the Lord, he is God. So, and then 24 hours later, he's running from Jezebel. Okay? But it says here, he said, you know what? He said, I'm going to speak to you in a still small voice. You know, I love this about the Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God's a perfect gentleman. He's not going to try to intrude in areas that you don't vacate. He's not going to be some mean ogre with a ball bat and beat you over the head, try to make you get right with him. He's going to speak in a still small voice. He's going to go, listen, we've talked about this before. Listen, don't do that. Listen, will you just obey me? He's going to speak to you in a still small voice. Now, what you can do is you can do one of two things. You can have it your way or you can do it his way. But I can promise you, if you do the former rather than the latter, you're going to have a problem on your hands. Okay? Look at what happens in verse 13. And it was so when Elijah heard that, heard that still small voice, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out, stood in the entering uh, in, in, in the entering in of the cave, and behold, there came a voice unto him and said, second time, what doest thou here, Elijah? Now you'd think he'd done ask him twice. But look what Elijah does. Same exact words. Can I say this? Jesus said it well in Matthew chapter 7. He said, you know what? Your vain repetition does not impress me. I don't care what kind of words you use. It's what it comes from. Elijah says the same words. Look at this. He said, I, I've been very jealous. Sounds a, little, sounds a little humble to me, don't it, to you? I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain the prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Can I ask you a question? Was Elijah the only one that loved God? He sure is acting like it, ain't he? Listen, when you are the only one in your family that's a Christian... When you're the only one in your classroom at uni or you're the only one at your workplace that's a believer, don't get the Elijah syndrome and think that you're the only one left. There are people out there that still love God. Look at what, listen, we got a group here this morning. There'll be a larger group come later on. There's always going to be a remnant. Don't think that you're the only one. Don't get the Lone Ranger complex, all right? Don't be some maverick. Realize it. listen, realize that this is a team effort. You know, are, we, are you a team player? I'm convinced there's three people on a team. There's active, productive players on the team. Those are the ones that are using their full potential to help the team win. There's a second group, though, and that's the ones that are on the bench. 
They've been sidelined, whether it was for attitude, maybe it was because of their lack of discipline, maybe it was because of their poor play. But then there's a third group, and that's the group I'm concerned about, and that's the injured reserves, the ones that are on IR. They've been hurt. Why is it that we as God's people will hold on to a little bitty thing and put us on the injured reserve list, hold on to something that happened to us 30 years ago, something that happened 10 years ago, we're going to hold on to a little bitty issue in our life and let that steal our joy and make us be on the bench instead of in the game. You've got to learn to let it go. Let it go. I want you to look down here in verse 13. The Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou come, anoint Haziel to be king of, over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room, and it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. And look at verse 18. Verse 18 said, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. You know what he's saying? Elijah, you're not alone. You know what I love about going through trials? It's number one, every trial that I've gone through in my life. I'm 47. Okay? Gone through a few of them. But everyone in my Christian life has drawn me closer to Him. That's what I love about suffering sometimes. Do you understand that the Bible says in Philippians 1.29, for it is given. What does given mean? It's a gift. It is given on the behalf of Christ to you, not only to believe on Him, but to suffer for His name's sake. Do you understand that salvation's a gift, but not only is salvation a gift, but suffering is too? Suffering is a gift from God. It draws us closer. You know what I found out another thing? I love suffering. I love suffering sometimes because it draws people together. You, 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 you lock arms and you put your arms around somebody that's hurting. And you know what? You need true friends when you're going through a trial. Amen? You need true friends. Kind of reminds me of, the, of that story of Job. You know? Job had some friends, didn't he? Now, I, I, I'm going to be honest with y'all. When you look at Job's friends, it was Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. They didn't get those names from baby books. You know when you get those baby books when the new mother's having a baby and they're looking up names? I've never found those names in a baby book. So that's a weird names, isn't it? Eliphaz, Bildad. Now, I have met one Bildad, but I ain't never met an Eliphaz, and I've never met a, a Zophar, Okay. I'm glad my name's Brian. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm glad you Nathan's easy to understand. Zophar and Eliphaz and Bildad. But these friends, you know what they did? They came around him to try to comfort him, but then they began to say, you know what? Maybe, Job, there's something that's really not right in your life. I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes those are the kind of friends you want to keep at an arm's length. You don't want them close to you because all they're going to do is sit there and scrutinize and criticize. Can I say this? I just buried a friend of mine two and a half weeks ago. I had to do his funeral, 45 years of age. You know what? He was a believer, but he, but he was struggling. He had some struggles in his life with addictions. 
And you know what? I could have gone into that funeral and said, you know what, bless God, I, I'd love to sit here and tell you. You know what? No, I didn't do that. I went in and I tried to encourage the people about their loved one. And you know what? This man was a servant. He did everything for everybody else. It wasn't about him. It was about everybody else. And I lifted that, 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 that issue up before the people and tried to encourage the family and lift up Christ's name. And you know what? That's what you do in a time of need. You lift each other up. And what a, you know what? Sometimes the best thing you can do is just sit there and cry with them. Is just sit there and love on them. You don't have to speak no words. Just be there for them. Amen? Just be there. But Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar came to him and they said, You know what? I think you need to get right with God. Well, this is what's funny. When Job needed some type of validation on his life and some mediator uh, before him before, and, and, and God. You know what? These men at the end of the book had to come before Job and ask him to be their mediator so they could be forgiven from God for their attitude. Isn't that amazing? Kind of reminds me of what Jesus did for us. Jesus is our mediator. I didn't, listen, I wasn't looking for God. He came looking for me. What about you today? What kind of issues are you going through? What kind of difficulties are you going through? Because I'm going to tell you right now, every single step of your Christian life is a journey. Every single one of them. So be careful where you walk. You go through here and you see, you know, not only Elijah's fleeing, you see the Lord's faithfulness, and then you see Elijah's folly. You know, here he is praying, you know, no, oh, it's even I only, I'm the only one left, and... And then you get down here and it looks at the Lord's faithful. He said there's 7,000, 7,000, Antonio, right? Antonio? 7,000, Antonio, that had not bowed their knee. 7,000. There were people who, listen, who he had not seen, but God said there's 7,000 that hadn't bowed their knee to Baal. You're not alone in this thing. Okay? You're not alone. I want you to turn over to 2 Kings very quickly. And I want to show you a few things. 2 Kings chapter number 2. We leave that scene and go to the next one. The next scene is, of course, Elijah has been told by God that you're going to have a successor, and that successor's name is Elisha. You're going to find him in a place called Abel Mahola. Abel Mahola means the meadow of dancing. Okay? His dad's name was Shaphat. Shaphat means judge. This basically is saying that here is a man who lived in a very prominent city whose dad was the judge of the city. He was, well, listen, when Elijah found him, he was plowing, Panos, plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, 24. Most people didn't even have one yoke. He had 12 yoke. So you know what it tells me, Nathan? This man was very, very wealthy. But you know what he did? When God spoke to Elijah and said, there's your successor, and he laid his mantle upon Elisha, you know what Elisha didn't do? He didn't say, well, I'm going to think about this thing. You know what? He had a lot. He had a lot going for him. Maserati in the garage. Amen. 12 yoke oxen, 24 ox. I mean, most people didn't have one. He's got 24 to, to plow with. You know what he did? He kissed his mother and father. He burned his plows, killed his cows, and he went and served God. No questions asked. And by the way, Elijah was the most wanted man. You ever had them kind of influences in your life? I met a preacher from mainland China. 
And, and here was a man who was arrested, incarcerated, and put in prison for 15 years of his life. You know what we found out about him? That he had been in there 15 years. While he was in there, he said, I, you know what, I think I want to recant my statement. And he did that. And they let him out of prison. He recanted his faith. And he was out, Nathan, for almost three months. And he was under such conviction that he got up one morning and he said, you know what, I'm tired of running. He went out in the streets of his country in China, red China, communist China. And he went out in the streets and in Chinese he, he shouted these words, my name is Peter and I've denied my Lord. And he kept shouting that until they arrested him, threw him back in prison. He's one of the greatest evangelists that lives in China to this day. Still in prison for his faith. See, here's the thing. It may cost you to serve him. It cost Elisha his whole wealth. His daddy was a judge. He was a, listen, a mama's boy. He left his home and he went to serve God. And I want you to look at what happens. Look at Elisha, look at it in 2 Kings chapter number 2. It says, And it came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Now, a lot of people go, why, why, do they, why, why these words? Why, why do they name these places this? You know, where do they get these names for these cities? Well, I'll be honest with you, a lot of them are from the past. Uh, Gilgal was mentioned first in Joshua chapter number 5. Gilgal was a place where when the children of Israel were going to go into the promised land to fight, Joshua said, wait a minute, all these men uh, that got the promise died. These are their offspring. They've not been circumcised. If we go into battle, they need to be pure. So they circumcised all the males that were going into battle. And before, when they did that, they named the place Gilgal because the word Gilgal means a rolling away. We sing a song, rolled away, rolled away, rolled away, all the burden of my heart rolled away. That's what the word Gilgal means. It means a rolling away of sin. Let me tell you something. When you are on a journey like they were, and listen, they're getting ready to go into a few cities. Every one of these is significant in their journey. Can I say this? Every single day that you walk with Christ is a significant day. Listen, not every day is going to be glory day, but every day is duty day. Every single day that you get up, put your feet on the ground, and breathe God's air, you are, a, listen, you are a, 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 a child of the King, you are a servant of God, you're a soldier of the cross, and you are to have duty. That means you are to, listen, look at him and say, Lord, I'm, I'm reporting for duty. Every single day. But here they go, the first place they go, Elijah, now listen, Elijah's getting ready to be taken up into heaven. He's getting ready to pass off the scene, and the mantle, the prayer shawl, the tallit, is getting ready to be placed upon Elisha. You know what? Some of you in this room will take the place of the spiritual leaders in your church in the near future. You know what? The next song leaders of the world, run them right there. You're going to take the, you're going to take the place of those who are your predecessors. The mantle's going to be placed on you. Your dad's a pastor. Who knows if God might not call you to take his place? You've got to think about these things. What are you going to do when the prayer shawl falls to you? Elijah's getting ready to be taken up into heaven. Elisha's going to be his successor. And the first place they go is Gilgal. I'm going to say this. 
If you're going to start this journey, it's got to start somewhere, and that somewhere better be Gilgal. Gilgal is a place of conversion. The rolling away of sin, the burden, the guilt. Has there been a time in your life where the burden, the weight of all the guilt and sin in your life been rolled away? This journey's got to start somewhere. It's got to start at Gilgal. Gilgal's a place of conversion. There's a lot of people that sit in church who are in a building. They're in church, but they're not in Christ. Going to church don't make you a Christian no more than being in a garage makes you a car. All right? I hope you understand that. You know? You can sit here all day long and say and, and make some kind of statement that you did something and you got baptized and all. No, you need to put your faith in the finished work of Calvary. That's what you got to do. The, listen, the journey has to start at Gilgal. Well, it don't stop there. Look at where they went. Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry, here I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to where? Kind of a familiar word, Bethel. That's <laughs> where we're at this morning. Okay? What's Bethel mean? House of God. Okay? So they went, Nathan, from Gilgal. Now they're going to Bethel. So if Gilgal's a place of conversion, Gareth, Bethel's a place of communion. Bethel's, a, listen, when you're on this journey, it starts at salvation, but it doesn't end there. How many people in here, you know, when you graduated, I guess you call it college here, it's high school where we are at. You know, when you get through with the 12th grade or whatever, and you get ready to go to university, you get that diploma from high school, and you go, whew, glad that's so. No, that's just the start of things. <laughs> then you got to go to uni. Then you find a wife or a husband. Then you get married and you have children. You just thought it was ending. No, it just started. You thought high school or college was hard? Wait till you get into postgraduate work. Wait till you get a job, a J-O-B. Amen? I love these kids that... Well, I'm thinking we're going to get married, you know, 19 and 20 years of age. Guy going to tell me he's going to marry a girl. He ain't got a job. I said, man, you better get a job before you get a wife. You're going to need money if you're going to have a wife. Amen? And all the ladies said, amen. <laughs> I, I don't understand the mentality. It's kind of like those guys that say, you know what, I'm going to be my own man. Nobody going to tell me what to do. And then the first thing they do is go out and join the Marine Corps. <laughs> Stupid. I mean... That's the first thing that's going to happen is there's going to be a guy that jumps on a bus. I know from experience, going to jump on a bus, and he's your mama, daddy, brother, sister, girlfriend, everything. He's everything. He'll tell you everything. Amen. And Panel just went through this for two years. Listen, this is not about me or you. That's what I'm trying to get across to you, this journey of joy with our Savior. I, listen, I wanted to be here last year. But the Lord constrained me. He told me, Brian, you will not be effective. And you know what I love about it? I love the fact that, you know what, the conference last year went on and everything was wonderful. And you know what it showed me, Nathan? It ain't about me. It don't matter. God don't need me. In a million years, He won't need me. But thank God He included me. Thank God I'm included in it. But you know what? God's work's going to go on. Whether I'm doing it, or whether somebody else is doing it, we have a rare privilege to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. I mean the God of creation, the God of the universe that made everything out of nothing. You ever thought about that? God took nothing, Ruth, and made everything out of it. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? God took nothing and made everything. 
In the Hebrew language, it's called ex nihilo. Literally, he took nothing and said, let there be light. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that first creative day, Nathan, when he said, let there be light, and light came out of his mouth, so to speak, at 186,000 miles per second. I love people say, boy, I wish I'd have been there. No, you don't. You wouldn't have wanted to have been there if, when, the create, when creation took place. <laughs> it was a whole lot of stuff going on. Good morning, ladies. Good morning, ma'am. Hey, Malcolm. Um, Let's look at look, look down here. Okay, you, you've got Gilgal's a place of conversion. Bethel's a place of communion. Can I ask you a question? When you got saved, how long did you think it was going to take before you desperately knew you needed him in every situation and every day of life that you're going to have to spend some time with your Savior? Hey, listen, you don't get married to somebody and spend three minutes a week with them. If you're going to have a relationship with somebody, you've got to spend time with them. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you got saved, that was just the beginning. When you come to Bethel, this is where God met with David in the wee hours of the morning. He had to go back to Bethel. Can I say this? This is a place of communion. Communion. And it grieves my heart. It's a place up where, near where Nathan and I live called the Western Carolina Center. I used to go up there when I was in high school in a key club, and we'd go up there and we would uh, help out. It's a place for mentally handicapped children, mentally retarded children, and uh, it, it's an amazing place. We went up there one time, and I'll never forget this. We, uh, we went into this one ward where these kids were um, 25, 26 years of age, couldn't keep their clothes on, had to put helmets on them, gloves on their fingers so they wouldn't scratch their eyes out, couldn't keep clothes on them, had to put, uh, you know, uh, mattresses on the walls so they wouldn't beat their head against the walls. And you know what? This broke my heart. But what really broke my heart is when we went into this one ward called the crib ward, and there was a 30-year-old woman, Nathan, in a, in a bassinet, she was no longer than 23, 24 inches long. She had hair, full-grown hair like a woman. She had full-grown teeth, adult teeth, and she was about 24 inches long, two feet long. They had to feed her with a bottle all of her life. I'm going to be honest with you, folks. It was grotesque. We had a, there was a guy in there who was called a hydro, it's called a hydrocephalic. It's where they have a waterhead. Their head's huge. I mean, and, and the skin just so tight. And man, I went in the bathroom, and I'm going to be honest with you, I about got sick to my stomach. And God spoke to me in that bathroom and said, Brian, here you are getting almost sick over these that are safe, S-A-F-E. You know what? They don't know how to understand and hear the gospel. They can't make a decision to trust Christ. That means they're safe in the hand of God. They're protected. Here you are getting grieved over these, but there are people sitting in churches all over the world who are spiritual infants, and I don't see you getting sick over them. The only way you're going to grow in grace is to spend some communion with God. Go back to Bethel. Okay? And I've got to finish, but let me make one more point. You go down here, and they went from Bethel to a place called Jericho. Anybody remember Jericho? Remember the story about Jericho? The armies of Israel did what? Marched around the city six times, seven, six days on the seventh day. They marched around it six times on the seventh time and shouted, walls came down. Let me explain something. When you, listen, when you are on this walk with Christ, number one, you got to go to Gilgal first, a place of conversion. Then you go to Bethel, a place of communion. 
But every single Christian in this room has to go to Jericho, and that's a place of conflict. You're going to go through conflict. You're either in a storm, coming out of one, or you're right going into one. So get encouraged because it might get worse before it gets better. But the last place they went was Jordan. Now let me say something to all of you. Jordan, listen, Gilgal, place of conversion. Bethel, place of communion. Jericho, a place of conflict. But Jordan, the river Jordan was a place of commitment. Remember, they got to the river Jordan, Elijah smacked the waters, they walked across on dry ground. Didn't take much faith for Elisha to follow in his footsteps and follow behind him when Elijah did all the work. But you know what? When Elijah on the other side of the Jordan River was caught up into heaven by a whirlwind, and he left him, and the prayer shawl fell upon him, Penos, he had to turn around. He smacked the waters and said, where's the Lord God of Elijah? And the waters were parted, and he went over. I'm going to tell you, that takes tremendous faith. That takes commitment. Some of you right now, you know what, you're at a crossroads. You're going through some difficult times. And may I say this? The songwriter said, all the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercies? Though through life He's been my guide. Heavenly peace, divinest comfort. Think about it, folks. Whate'er befall me, I know whate'er befall me, whatever happens to me, I know that Jesus doeth all things well. Okay? You're on a journey. Where are you at? Gilgal? You been to Gilgal? You been to Bethel? You been to Jericho? You're going to come to the River Jordan. And you're going to have to make a commitment. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your goodness. I pray that you just have your hand upon uh, the remainder of this day. And Lord, our meeting that we're starting this morning and we'll uh, uh, continue on Wednesday through next week, next weekend. And Lord, I know that we, we stand in desperate need of a touch from you where we're hands of clay and feet of clay. We cannot do anything in and of ourselves. And I just pray that you would... Speak to hearts and do that which only you can do, and that's heart work. Lord, we can't change hearts, but you can. And I pray that you'd make us uh, pliable, help us to listen on purpose, and Lord, help us to leave every single time that we come under the preaching of your word. Help us to leave less of what we are by nature and more like your son Jesus. And we'll love you and thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen.